Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. It's just beautiful to be here. It really is. Because, you know, the presence of the Holy Spirit is here. And the thing that I pray, and that is that the Holy Spirit will speak into your heart. You see, my words don't mean anything. Like you can talk and, oh, that's good. But when the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart, that's what changes your life. Hallelujah. And I, that's my prayer today. That you won't see me, but you'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. The title of my message today is what really matters. And I just want to share some of my story because, you know, there are many disadvantages in getting old. I'm not old yet, but the old people tell me that that is the case. (laughs) But, you know, there's one great thing you can do. You can look back and you can say what really matters. You know, when I'm in my 20s and, and that, you know, how you look was very important. I still think it is. You like my white shoes? I, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was very important in those days, right? And today I see young people with jeans and they have tears in their jeans. And, you know, it reminded me of the... Uh, sorry, you should sit down. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Don't worry about me. I'm your friend, right? I'm not, I'm not a full-time preacher, but I, I, I do love God and I do want to share with you today. But, you know, you look at the jeans with tears in them and that sort of thing. And, you know, I want to tell you a little story. When we built our first house in Juan Turner, uh, I took my dad out there to see it. And we had those rumbled bricks. You know, those bricks with the corners broken off and all that sort of stuff. It was the fashion of the day, I'll tell you. And my dad looked at the bricks and he said, son... He said, uh, these bricks are broken. He said, they're no good. I said, Dad, no, this is the new style. He looked at me. And then I said, I, I stir him up. I said, Dad, uh, they actually cost more than the other bricks because they take really good bricks and they put them in a rumble machine and they break them all up. So now they take good jeans and they put tears in them. So how you look is very important. But I want to share today uh, from God's word what really really matters and I look back today and I I just praise God for the opportunity I suppose I I need to share a little bit because you need to know who I am and uh, I uh, before I can share reflections because you say well what does he know about uh, life I uh, my dad was a Methodist minister and uh, we had a pretty we had a lovely we we were uh, poor financially but rich in family values and rich in the Word of God, and rich in, in the way to live life. And uh, I left school when I was 14 years old. My dad, mum didn't have the money to send us on. I started an apprenticeship in fitting and turning, uh, then did a diploma in mechanical engineering and became a cadet engineer. Won a scholarship to go to England in uh, 1966 and met my beautiful wife, Pamela. And... Uh, <laughs> 
that was a, a, an amazing thing. And uh, came back, uh, started my own business. In fact, the funny story was I said to Pamela, now we, were, we had no money, so I said, I'll, I'll, I'll go back home, work for a couple of years, save up some money, and then I'll bring you out. I got to New Zealand on the boat and I was missing her so much, I said, just apply and, came out and come out. And so she did and we were married. We've been married for 52 years. Uh, and uh, we, have, we have three children that love and serve God. And let me stop there because that's what really matters. Yeah. Kids that love and serve God. You know, you see in business, and I was in business, and you climb that ladder and you think, oh, wow, this is really important. No, it's not. I'm sorry, it's not. Having kids that love and serve God. I have my youngest daughter here today with two of our 10 grandchildren, and I praise God for that. So today I, I want to just share with you, um, I have two passions in my life after God and my family. The first one is mission. I love mission. Don't start me on mission. I will be, will be here for a long time. But God has done some amazing things. And I have a great friend of mine, Dave Woodward, here, and we do mission together. God has done some amazing things. We have revival in Numa. Let me tell you, we have revival in India on mission. Praise God. God is doing some absolutely amazing things over there. And uh, my second passion is next generation. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So precious. Hallelujah. And uh, about, I don't know now, must be 20 years ago, I think God spoke to my life and said, I'm calling you to help raise up the next generation. I said to God, you got the wrong number. <laughs> I'm old. I used to be the youth leader at Richmond, actually, with more hair. And, but uh, God said, I'm calling you to, be the, uh, to help raise up the next generation. I said, God, that's fine, but why would young, young people want to talk to this old fella? And, you know, this is the beautiful part about it. And I want to say this to you today. You know, when God speaks to your heart, don't tell him you can't do it. Don't tell him, oh, who am I? I've been there and I've done that. Just say, make sure it's God. That's the first thing, right? Don't just go on one prophetic word. Make sure that prophetic word is confirming what God has spoken into your heart. And when you get that word of God, oh, just say yes. Hallelujah. God called me to be the mission pastor of this magnificent church, Numa. And uh, one morning at two o'clock in the morning, God woke me up and said, I'm calling you to be the mission pastor of this church. I said to God, you have the wrong number. I was a businessman, love given to mission and all that. All our, our, we always had an ex-missionary as our mission person. God's saying, I'm calling you to be the mission pastor. I said to God, you've got the wrong number. And I said to God something. I said, I have nothing to offer you. Nothing. Because I was bereft. I was the administrator for 11 years, a day a week, voluntary. I felt I had something. How crazy it is to think we can offer God something. But I felt I could as a businessman, bring IT into the church and all those things. But as mission pastor, I thought, I have nothing to offer you. But, you know, all you've got to do is say yes. Hallelujah. Amen. And we had eight years. God was doing stuff you couldn't make happen if you tried. I just want to encourage you today. Young people, 
Get your eyes on the Lord. Get, get that word in your heart of what he wants you to do and then go for it with all your heart. Don't worry about what people say about you. I say to the youngies, don't get with people that are critical. Get with people that are going somewhere. Get people around you that have that got their eyes on Jesus. Get people around you that, that are going somewhere in, in God. And God can take you and use you for his glory. So I just want to say today, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be here today and know, just sense that, that presence of God. I just say to you, though, let him, let him speak into your heart. I want to uh, have those reflections of 78 years. And I've got about seven. I'm going to try and share two today. The first one is priorities. That's the first thing I want to say. Get your priorities right. God first. Hallelujah. The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Hallelujah. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't have God as an insurance policy. Oh, well, if things go wrong, then God will go and pray to God. Ask him. Put him in first place in your life. Number one in your life. You know, Pastor Phil Hills, who was the pastor before, two pastors back, he preached a sermon. I'm in the middle of my business days. If you said to me, I love God in, in that. If you said to me, uh, do you trust God? Is he number one? I would have said, yes, he is. But you know, God knew better. I was just looking to God when I got into trouble. When things were going good, I'm saying, wow, this is, this is really going well. When things were going bad, I'm on my knees. Oh, God, please help me. And he did. But you see, Pastor Hills pre preached on yielded rights how we take the rights that we have, our independence, yep. and we say, God, I, put it, I come under you. Hallelujah. I come under your control. I come under your input. And, you know, it, it so just changed my life. I realised that that Holy Spirit showed me. David, you're not putting me number one. Yeah, you love me. Yes, you go to church. Yes, you do all this. Yes, you give. Yes, you do all these things but I'm not number one. In that moment, I said, Lord, I want you to be number one. You are number one. And I'm in my business life. I was doing work for a, a multinational company in the city in, in IT. And uh, we had an internal auditor came. And he wrote, I was an external consultant to them. And uh, it was unusual to, for that to happen. And uh, he came and, he, and they wrote a report. They said, paying these consultants too much, shouldn't have consultants, you should have your own people to give you, give you a draft report of it. I was mad. I was so mad. I got this report. I thought, wow, all these things we've done and been successful at, and this report. And I went home, and I'm lying in bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm honing up the case that I was going to talk to the uh, finance manager the next day. I was going to tell him all the things. And you know, at two o'clock in the morning, the Holy Spirit said to me, what about yielded rights? And took me back about two weeks before to the time when I said, God, you're number one. My times are in your hands. At the first sign of trouble, I grabbed it back. said, Lord, let me, let me fix this. I, I need to fix this. And I was going to go in the next day 
And I was going to tell the general manager this is not good and we would have had a big barney about that. But when I heard that, I said, Lord, my times are not in the hands of an internal auditor. And I want to say to you young people today, your times are not in the hands of people around you. People get promoted above you. Don't worry about it. Your times are in God's hands. He's got you in the palm of his hand. He has a plan for you. Psalm 139 says it was prepared before you even lived a day. So God's got a wonderful plan for you. Just rest in him. And so at two o'clock in the morning, I suddenly realized, I said, God, now you're in charge. Hallelujah. Hand it back to him. I went to work the next day. I didn't do a thing. I don't have to do a thing. I just work harder than I've ever worked before. Just do what God's put in front of me to do. And about two weeks later, I get a call from the general manager that I was going to go in the next day and thump the table. He said, David, I've got this report from the internal auditor. What do you think about it? And I said, Peter, well, I think this, this and this. And I went through the case that I prepared at two o'clock in the morning. But at his request, not mine, I'm not agitated because I know God's in charge. And he said, oh, thank you for that. And then another month later, I get a call from the, general, for the uh, director. He calls me and he said, David, we've got this report from the internal order. What do you think about it? And I said, Bill, I think this, this and this and went through it again. Halfway through, I don't know whether I closed my eyes or not, but I just said, Lord, thank you for yielded rights. So I just encourage you today in priorities, put God first. Let him get in first place in your life. How do you do that? Stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, the fa- my favourite verse in the whole Bible, Exodus thirty-three fifteen, Moses said to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, let's not go up from here. Hallelujah. If you go back to the, to the Hebrew, read that, I'm a scholar. It says, if your presence doesn't go with us, let's not get out of bed. No, no, so that, that's my interpretation. So. I encourage you, be led by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said, the fields are white under harvest, but the laborers are few. Remember that word, laborers. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will thrust forth laborers into his harvest field. He doesn't say, Pray that the Lord will thrust forth CEOs, managers, directors. He says laborers. Hallelujah. And you know what a laborer does? A laborer says to his boss every day, boss, what do you want me to do today? The boss says, I want you to build a brick wall, six bricks long, four bricks high, two bricks wide. I want you to face it that way. The laborer doesn't say to the boss, well, boss, are you sure that's in the, in the right position? Are you sure that's going to be strong enough to handle what we're going to put on it? The boss will say, just shut up and do what I'm telling you to do. And I I just love my life now because all these years I wanted to have the five-year plan. I wanted to know what God wanted me to do in the future. I wanted to be a minister. And God took me down a business route. Never, Never allowed me to be a minister when I wanted to be a minister. But 37 years later, I am a minister. (laughs) Hallelujah. What a beautiful thing, you see. Because God has a plan. Hallelujah. And I just encourage you, get your priorities right. Get God 
really, really in first place and be led by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing better than that. And what a time we are living in. Hallelujah. At Numa, we have a move of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you today, those that maybe have never seen a move of the Holy Spirit, don't just stand on the sidelines. Get into the move of the, of the Holy Spirit. I remember times when we've had a move in the past. I remember one, the board of our church, Numa Church, used to sit on the platform, can you believe that, in these fancy chairs. I remember one time in a move of the Holy Spirit, I'm lying prostrate on the platform <laughs> and in dressed in my suit, we had ties in those days, and I'm just, I'm lost in the Spirit. And this voice said to me, David, you're a respectful, respectable businessman. Get off the, the carpet. You can't do that. I said, go away, enemy. I want what God's got for me. So in this move of the Spirit, don't stand on the sidelines and look. Don't stand and say, oh, mm, I'm not too sure about this. This is the move of the Spirit. Hallelujah. God is on the move. I say, jump in. Hallelujah. Get into the river. You know, when we, if we stand, and in Ezekiel it talks about we stand on the side and we're in up to our ankles. Well, we've got control, you see. We, we got control because our feet are on the ground. We, we, we're in control. We can't, it can't move us too much. But then we get into, into, in, up to our knees. Well, it's getting a little bit more, you know, that, that river is flowing a bit faster, but we're still in control. We've still got it. All right, get in the river. Hallelujah. When you can't control it, just controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I reflect over 78 years, and I can see the hand of God in, so, in a thousand different ways as we put him number one in our lives. Just encourage you to do that today. Praise God. God first. Hallelujah. You know, the name change of, of Numa, we've gone through a few name changes, as, as Pastor Steve uh, mentioned this morning. And uh, the, Pastor Dave changed the name from Richmond Assembly of God to uh, Bridge Church. And my darling wife, Pamela, said, I don't care what they, I, it was muted, we're going to change the name. Pamela said to me, I don't care what they change it to, I won't like it. And uh, so I went to Pastor Dave and I said, Dave, we've got a problem here because Pamela said, whatever you change it to, she's not going to like. But she did like the name pretty quickly of Bridge Church. And then Pastor Corey came along, he said, I'm going to change the name. And I thought to myself, oh no, not another name change. And then the, God spoke to me, give me a real revelation in my spirit. He said to me, look back. I take you back. Pastor C.L. Greenwood was the first pastor of our church. He was there for 50 years. We were teenagers at the time. We were terrified of him. He was a man of the Holy Spirit. He used to go and prophesy. And we were terrified that he was going to prophesy what we were, we were doing. <laughs> I just didn't let you into one little secret what we did. On Church Street, there's a big Catholic church up at the top of the hill. So we went up there and we put dirt in the holy water. And so all these people are walking around with these spots on their head. We were terrified that C.L. Greenwood was going to come and prophesy what we were doing. But you know the thing it left me with as a teenager? The importance of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have a relational bone in his body. But boy, he was a man of the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Des came along 
He was a man of the Holy Spirit and he was relational. And we got around him, probably too much around because we needed that relational thing. But he was a man of the Holy Spirit. Then Pastor Phil came. He was a man of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the thing we see right down through the thing. Pastor Dave came in. And then Pastor Corey, a man of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And God said to me, this is not a name change. This is an alignment of our church name to what this church is. It's been a church of the Holy Spirit for so many years. So I say today, don't, don't miss out on what God wants to do. I can't see the clock, mate. Where is the... Oh, it's there. Okay, it's good, good. Okay. So my first reflection is put God first in your life. Everything else flows out of that. If, you, if he's not in first place, if you try and do the other stuff, it's not going to work. And then your wife, second. Praise God. Not second, but the next one in, in line. Because if you get that right, I love my wife more today than I've ever loved her before. Because my love for God causes me to love my, my darling wife. And uh, I just, uh, you're reading Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. It doesn't say husbands care for your wife. It says husbands love your wife. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I just really say to you today, get your focus on your partner. Now, it, let me say, for the wives, you do it better than, than us guys do. But when I talk about husbands, substitute uh, the wife in, in that. And so I'm talking to both. Otherwise, we won't get home for lunch. <laughs> the, such an important thing to put your wife first in, in, in your family life. Not your children, your wife first. And I just encourage you to do that. And there are little things you can do. I'm not going to embarrass you, but how many, I'd like to ask you, how many people, guy, people, guys here, husbands, open the door of the car for your wife? Okay, thank you there. <laughs> now, I suppose some of the new, the new breed of, of ladies, well, they don't want their door open. I, I don't know about that. But, but for the majority, I think, spoil your wife in, in, that, in that situation. We're doing a, um, a marriage thing. We were the, we were the uh, couch couple for the marriage uh, night. And I pulled up and jumped out in Richmond, opened the door for Pamela. A young couple pulled up behind us that were going to the course. And the, and the, what, the, part, the girl nudged the husband and said, did you see that? <laughs> so I encourage you to do that. I had a, a thing happen in my, my uh, marriage that caused me a little bit of grief. I was out in the garden of our home in, in Park Orchards at the time and I um, was deheading the roses. And so I uh, had these roses, I'm putting in a bag, I'm going to throw them out. And I thought, well, hang on, I can do better than that because I am a romantic at heart. So I got this bag of rose petals and I went into our bedroom and if we can put it up on the board there. <laughs> I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, I love you on the, on the bed. Now that, I can tell you, fellas, that earned some brownie points. There's no question about that. And I thought, well, that's it. That's, 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 that's what, what has happened. But Pamela 
went and put it on Facebook. Ah, not good, not good. Because all the girls went, oh, no, look at that. And all the guys are ringing me up saying, David, what in the world are you doing? So I got myself into trouble. But, but I encourage you with your wife. Love your wife. Hallelujah. As Christ loved the church. Love it a bit. I, I just, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't happen automatically. You don't just come out to the altar and I'll pray for my marriage and it's all, all fixed. It, it takes work. Work at your marriage. I, I love it now with, with Pamela. We, you know, there was a time when I, I like a bit of humour. And so I was having humour, but it was at Pamela's expense. And the majority of the time she'd laugh. But there's a couple of times when she said, no, that really hurt. And when I, when I thought about it, I thought, wow, how silly you can be and still breathe when you can do something to the one that you love the most. And so we stopped doing it. About three or four weeks later, Pamela's having humour at my expense and suddenly she realised what she was doing. <laughs> so we put that right very quickly, but I just encourage you today. The enemy's out there. Marriages are, uh, many marriages are in trouble. Don't let your marriage get into trouble. Work on your marriage. Love your wife. Care for your wife. Let her know that you, she is so, so important to you. I love it when Pamela walks into a room, you guys all go in black and white and I see this girl in colour because she's the one I've devoted my life to. She's the one I, I've uh, had a f- family with. She's the mother of our, of our, of our kids and our now grandmother of our grandkids and I just encourage you, put, put your wife second. And then, then your kids, praise God. You know, I know what this is like as a businessman. Man, in my early days of business, business was number one. And God really spoke to my heart about that. Don't let business take over from family. In fact, uh, in my late 20s, we had a successful business. But our marriage was starting to suffer because I was going for it in business. I, if you said to me, why are, you, why are you doing business? I would have said, because I'm doing it for my family. It was a rotten lie. I was doing it because I love business. Now, collaterally, it helped my, my family. Absolutely, it did. But, you know, the real thing was I was doing it because I love business. And God really spoke to me. And my wife spoke to me about it. And I say, guys, when your wife and God speak to you about something, it's time to really listen. And we did. And all we did was just change the model. We bought bikes. We went out bike riding together. We... Uh, I traded my business class where we're flying overseas a lot on business, traded that in and took the family on holidays and did the business at the same time. And we had amazing holidays that we can't repeat today. And so God really uh, spoke to my heart and we rescued a situation that if it had kept going would have caused us real, real trouble. And, you know, the thing that I, I, I say to young people is this. You know, if you start a... A, a career and it doesn't work out, well, you can start another career. You start a, a business that, that doesn't work out, start another one. Buy a car that's a lemon. Not good, but you can buy another car. Buy a house, even. The only thing holding it up are the termites holding hands. That's a problem. 
but you can buy another house. But hear me good. You get one shot at, at your marriage and one shot at bringing up your kids. And before you know where they are, they're gone. If I say to our kids today, I want to take you on a cruise or do something, Dad, we're busy. We, we, so, many, so many things going on. I encourage you to put your kids in their rightful place. Give them, give them time. We used to have um, father-daughter and father-son days. And um, on that day, the daughter or the son could do whatever they wanted to do. So Louise, who is here today, bless her heart, with two of our beautiful children, she said, Dad, can we have a father-daughter day? I said, sure. I'm in the middle of my business life. And she said, it's got to be next Thursday. I look at my diary. Next Thursday, Xerox company are flying me to Sydney. We're negotiating on a $300,000 laser printer. I say, I'm about to say to her, darling, I can't, I can't go. And a little voice said to me, what's more important, a laser printer or a day with your daughter? And I'm ashamed to say that I think my first answer was the laser printer. But then common sense kicked in and we had a father-daughter day. I put the meeting off. Found out later that they weren't ready for me even if I hadn't gone to Sydney. Incredible. So Louise, I said to Louise, what do you want to do, darling? She said, I want to go go-karting. So when we have these father-daughter days, and that we do, you do it the best. You don't, don't do it half measure. So I knew the best go-karting was in Keysborough. So out we go to Keysborough the night before it's hailing. And I said, darling, are you sure you don't want to put it off? No, Dad, we're, we're, we're fine, we're going. So out we go, well, we flew around this course, we, uh, dust and sand spitting up in our, in our faces. And at the end of it, she said, you only passed me twice, Dad. I said, okay, what do you want to do now? She said, I want to go horse riding. So I knew the best horse riding was Christmas Hills, a couple of hours the other way. Out we go to Christmas Hills. And... Uh, we get to Christmas Hills, after two hours, I got off a horse, I could barely walk. <laughs> and I walked into this cafe up in the mountain. I'll never forget it. And I sat there in tears. How silly I can be to put business ahead of this day. Never forget that day. What a beautiful day. And so I just encourage you today, your kids, you know, we think we're important at work. No, we're not. When you're a managing director of a company or doing something, they'll replace you at the drop of a hat. And the ripple in the pond is gone in an instant. But you know, your kids, they need you. And the, kid, the investment you make in your wife and in your kids is a living investment. I woke up one morning and, I, and God really spoke to my heart about it. He said, he said to me, you know, you invest in, in, in your career, you invest in this and that and all that, that's great. But when you invest in your family, it's a living investment. Because now we see our kids growing up to love and serve God. Hallelujah. And now our grandkids are growing up to love and serve God. Amen. That's investment in the kingdom. So I encourage you today, look at... Make sure you keep that in the right perspective. Praise God. And my second reflection is the importance of relationship. John 13, 35. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples. 
Not by the stuff that we do, but by our love for one another. I just think, you know, so often we're so caught up with the result. We're so caught up with the, the end game, what we're going to achieve. And we trample over relationships. We walk over them. And in the pursuit of getting to the goal. I'll tell you a, a story in, in a business sense. We had a, doing work for a, a company, a Christian company. And it was a big project. And uh, we had some overruns in that. There's some changes to the design. And so we finished up with a, with a um, uh, situation where we had some conflict. And we tried to solve that conflict. And in the end, I found that this company was trying to employ one of my guys. And so I found that a trust breakdown. And so we eventually sorted it out. If you had said to me, are you bitter at the person that caused that trouble? I would have said, no, I'm not, because I knew enough. Don't have bitterness in your heart. And then I, as an elder of the church, I looked on the roster and I found I was to do communion. I thought, great, I love doing communion. Got down before God about six weeks out and uh, I started to do my communion message. And I said, God, what do you want me to speak on? And I really felt the Holy Spirit say, speak on forgiveness. I said, great, I love that. That's, that's good. I'll speak on forgiveness. Then he said, I want you to write an email to the managing director of that company and here's what I want you to say. For the hurt that I've caused you, I apologise. And I said, hang on, Lord. This is, this is not right. He caused me hurt. And I went over it with the Lord. He said, no, you write an email and ask for forgiveness for the hurt you've caused. I said, no, I'm not going to do it because it's not right. And so I got up, went on with my work. Another couple of weeks went by. I thought, I better get this communion message done. So I sat down again to do my communion message, hoping that God's forgotten. <laughs> i got to tell you, he hadn't forgotten. Write an email. Ask for forgiveness for the hurt that you've caused. No, that's not. I explained then to God that <laughs> this was. I went over it again. And then I said, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not that's not correct. I'm not going to do that. So I got up again. Two weeks out. I thought, I'd better do this communion message. Same thing, write an email. So I wrote the email. I'll never forget it. I sat there and typed, dear so-and-so, if I've caused you any hurt, please forgive me. Holy Spirit said, cross out that word if. And just, <laughs> and it was, it was chewing glass. It really was. But here's the beautiful thing. At the end of it, when I hit that send button, this weight lifted off my shoulders. I thought, whoa, there was something there. And God forgave me for that and fixed my heart in a relational sense. And I just want to encourage you in that sense today. Make sure you don't have broken relationships. I talk to people sometimes. I haven't talked to my brother for eight years. Well, how crazy is that? And they can't, sometimes they can't even remember why they're not talking to their brother or sister or whatever. Or whatever. I just think, encourage you today, build relationships. 25 years ago, I think it was, my friend David Woodward 
he was asked to be on the board of, of, Richmond, of Numa or Richmond or whatever it was. And uh, he said to me, David, can I have coffee with you to see how to be a good board member? I said, well, it won't take me long to tell you what I know about being a good board member. And so we had a two breakfasts we had. And uh, then I said, okay, we're done with that. He said, well, can we keep having breakfast? This is 25 years ago. So for 25 years, every four to six weeks, we've had breakfast if we're in the country. And it started out just, we're doing family together, the ups and downs of, of family. And uh, talking about that, encouraging one another, building one another up. And then mission came along uh, about 10 years ago and we've been doing mission together. See, God's got this beautiful plan and we, when we get our priorities right, we get our relationships right. Let God use us for his glory because we're so interested in the end result but God is interested in the journey. God's interested in the relationships that you build along the way. So I would in, encourage you today in reflections, two, number one, priorities. Get your priorities right. Put God in his rightful place. I believe God's speaking to people here today. That God is, is not in number one place. He's there, we love him, but he's not, he's not Lord of our lives. And I encourage you in that, in that sense. As far as family is concerned, let's treasure our family husband and wife, young people. It applies to you too because one day you're going to find a partner in life. Find one that God has selected for you. And then our relationships are so, so important. I, I just want to encourage you in that, that God is interested in relationships. If you've got bitterness in your heart, there's broken relationships, put it right. And you know, I never received a, a reply to that email. Never. But I didn't have to because God was dealing with me. I'm sure God would deal with that man too. God was dealing with me. I, don't, I didn't need a reply because God was dealing with my heart. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.